Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Jeremiah 48 11. Jeremiah 48 11. One verse. Jeremiah 48 11 says, Moab has been at rest from youth like wine left on its dregs, not poured from one jar to another. She has not gone into exile, so she tastes as she did, and her aroma is unchanged. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open your word, it's an opportunity for us to learn more about you and for us to get closer to you. I thank you that your word is anointed, Lord God, has the capacity to speak into the depths of our soul and our spirit, Lord God. And Lord, I pray this morning as we open our hearts to you, Lord, we haven't come to hear an individual. We've actually come to hear from you. We are hungry this morning to hear from you, Lord God. And so we pray, speak to us. This is our prayer individually right across this congregation. Our prayer, Lord God, is that you would speak to us this morning a word that will change us, that will encourage us, that will challenge us, Lord God, to be more like you. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Release your anointing, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on the subject today, beware of the easy road. Beware of the easy road. One of the things that we all look for in life is the easy way. Uh, No matter what we're doing, we look for the way that requires the least amount of effort, uh, the least amount of work. We want the easy test. Nobody wants to do the the hard test. Uh, We want easy money. Uh, We would rather take the tablet that will make us skinny uh, rather than do the work required to lose Uh, a bit of weight. Uh, We say things like, take it easy. Come on, just turn to the person next to you and say, take it easy. Take it easy. Come on. We say, easy does it. Uh, In life, we're always looking for the easy way. Can I hear an amen? I mean, is there anybody else like me? Come on. We we, we don't go, um, we don't compare things. We go, well, well, which is the easy one? Which is, oh, let me take the hard road because that's the one I really want to go on. I remember when I was at uni, I was doing an arts degree and uh, there were all these options. Uh, I still remember exactly the spot. They had this big board and on the board they had, well, these are all the ways that you can do an, you can get through a, an arts degree. And there was three majors and then two majors and then one major and, and all these other ways and two minors, blah, blah, blah. And all this. I would study that board for hours. I was looking at that board. Uh, and guess what I was looking for? I was looking for the easiest way to get that piece of paper um, to get the degree. Newspaper article written in 1931 said this. I wish I could read you the whole article because it was just powerful. It said, what worthwhile people want is something worthwhile. What is worthwhile is not easy and what is easy is not worthwhile. The word easy attracts foolish human beings as sticky flypaper attracts the flies. It's easy for the fly to get on the flypaper, not so easy to get off. Easy is a dangerous word. Many people today are seeking to get by. This is 1931. Many people are seeking to get by as they put it, as they, as they put it, trying to find the easiest way, rather than the way to the thing difficult but worthwhile. 
Beware of the word easy. Here's the thought. Easy way, the quick way is not always the best way. And at times, it can actually be detrimental to our well-being. And nowhere is this more true than in our spiritual life and in our relationship with God. We see a great example of this in the text that we read. God is speaking to Moab through the prophet Jeremiah. And he's saying, Moab has been at ease from its youth. Uh, He has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remains in him and his scent, his smell, has not changed. What was happening here to Moab was this impending army was, was coming in and it was about to destroy Moab. But because they had not experienced any challenges, because they hadn't had any hard times, any difficulties, they neither had the strength, nor the ability, nor the capacity to fight this army that was coming in. Uh, Look look at what the message translation says, because I just love it. It kind of wraps this up really well. It says, Moab has always taken it easy, lazy as a dog in the sun, never had to work for a living never faced any trouble, never had to grow up, never once worked up a sweat. And because of that, they were about to be destroyed. Uh, Jeremiah says he has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Now, Moab was famous for its wine. So as Jeremiah is writing to them, they, they understood the imagery that, uh, that Jeremiah was writing about. And, and, and he's using the analogy of how wine is made to describe what happened to Moab. Uh, one of the things that happens when you make wine um, is it's not pure. When you first crush the grapes and put it into a vat or into a container, uh, the wine has dregs or sed- sediment in it. And as you allow the wine to rest, the dregs fall to the bottom of the vessel. And to get rid of the dregs, you pour the wine from one vessel and you pour it into another vessel. I think it's winemaking time for some of them that are out there. Uh, and if you don't pour it into another vessel then the wine stays in its dregs, or the dregs stays in its wine, um, and the dregs spoil, or have the capacity to spoil the taste of wine. So if the dregs are in the wine and you drink the wine with dregs in it, the, the dregs have the capacity to spoil the taste of the wine. It's that pouring process. It's that pouring from one vessel into another vessel that actually purifies the wine. That makes it more, drinking, more drinkable. Some winemaking lessons this morning. How about that? There you go. It's not a bad church. Um, in life, uh, all of us will go through some challenging times. All of us will go through times when things don't make sense. Trials, the hard times. When it feels like we're being poured from one vessel into another vessel. We were so comfortable in the vessel. Things were going so well. Everything was so nice. But now we're being poured from one vessel into another vessel. We were in, we were in a place where we were taking it easy and everything was, was great. And, and, and now we're being poured out. And now we're facing hardship and trials in life. And we're wondering what's going on. You see, we can see those, those trials that we go through, those challenges that we go through, those tough times that we go through. We can see them in two ways. We can see them as random acts of injustice. Or we could see those same situations from God's perspective. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. The, the, this is the psalmist speaking, and I love these words. He says, it was good for me to be afflicted. Now, who would ever say something like that? 
Who would ever say, oh, it was really good that I went through a really hard time. But this is the psalmist writing and it, it appears again and again. He says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. In other words, this, this was not just some random act. This was not just something, you know, that happened by chance. Actually, there was some purpose here. And as I reflect on what I was going through, I say, you know what? It was because of that affliction that I learned something about the truths of the Word of God. Unfortunately, there are some lessons we learn in pain that we don't learn in the easy road. Uh, Psalm 119.67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Again, it's not just speaking about some random act. Actually, there's purpose in the affliction. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. I just did whatever I wanted before I was afflicted. But then, but then, I went through some pretty tough times. I started to be poured from one vessel into another. And now I obey your word. I imagine the prodigal son would have, would have written a verse like this. You know, before he was afflicted, he said, ah, give me my money so, because I just want to do whatever I want. And certainly for a period of time, he did exactly whatever he wanted. And he spent all of his money. But at some point, he ended up in a pig's pen. And it was, it was there that suddenly he came to his senses, suddenly understood something. It was, it was the affliction that, that enabled him to understand truth. Listen, church, I, I, I pray that, that we would not have to go through affliction to understand truth. There, there, there are some people who think they are smarter than God. There are some people who go, who go through the Bible and they go, you know what, this page, I don't really like this page, and they rip it out. There are some people with scissors and they see some verses and they go, let's get this one out of here. Because they think that they are a little bit smarter than God. God's word is truth. And it's there to protect us and it's there to guide us. It's so that we can experience life. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. And he says, listen, there's some principles here. If you follow these principles, they will lead you to life. Unfortunately, at times we think we're smarter than God and we start to do things our own way. Only to be afflicted. Question for us is, why does God allow us at times to be afflicted? Now, there are times we cause the affliction, but, but there are times where God allows us to be afflicted. And, and, and the question is why? why? Why does he pour us from one vessel into another? Why doesn't he just let us take the easy road? Why, why, doesn't, he, why doesn't he just say, come to me and then take it easy? There's a few reasons, and I want to give them to you, but because I suspect that there are some people going through a bit of a tough time right now. And you're wondering why. You're wondering what's happening to me right now, and I, I just pray that this word would encourage us, all of us, and give us some perspective to the tough times that we might be going through even today. First reason why God allows us to go through some tough times is to reveal what's in our hearts. It's to reveal what's inside of us. Notice what it says, Moab has been at ease from his youth and he has settled on his dregs. Therefore, his taste remains in him and his scent has not changed. So often, who we think we are and who we really are is completely different. Come on, can I hear an amen? You know, sometimes we, we, it's, it's, uh, it's optimistic bias. Psychology has a term for it. It's, it's where we think we're actually doing better than we are. Uh, ask the average person. You ask the average person, compared to the average, do you think you're healthier? 
more healthy or less healthy than the average? Come on, why don't you answer that question to the person next to you? Just say, are, are, are you, are you, do you think you're more healthy or less healthy than the average, right? You can ask the person next to you, are you more healthy? Which, which side do you think? Yeah. Um, study after study after study. I'm not going to do it here this morning because it might not work. Uh, let, me, let me check. How many people think that they are less healthy? No, let's go with the more healthy. How many people think that they are more healthy than the average? Just put up your hand. Come on. Just put up your hand. How many people are less, less, less healthy than the average? How many people are not going to put up their hand no matter what I say or what I do? Just that many people. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of people there as well. Um, and the average... <laughs> um, most people say, when asked that question, are you healthier, are you a better driver than the average or worse driver than the average? Most people will say that they are, they are better than the average. Most people will say that they are healthier than the average. Most people will say they are, they are, they are a better Christian than the average. And that just doesn't make sense logically because if it's average, it's average. How can more people be on this side of the average than on this side? Mathematically, it's not possible. It's called optimistic bias, where we think we're doing better than we really are. So often, who we think we are, and who we really are, can be different. Now, one of the things Italians do is they make wine. Uh, When I'm with older Italians, uh, visit them, you know, they'll try and get me to taste the wine. That's just, you know, it's one of the... And they all say the same thing. It doesn't matter. I was talking to someone from Sydney uh, the other day. He said exactly the same thing, Italians over there. All Italians will say the same thing. This year, it's really good, (laughs) you know. (laughs) In other words, in, in the previous years, it's been terrible. But this year, oh, this year, it's really good. So I'm not a wine drinker. I'm not a wine person. But, you know, out of respect, I'll taste a little bit of wine. And to me, it's all like vinegar. I mean, it's the same as it was last year and the year before. And the, I, I grew up in a home where we drank a bit of wine. And we used to put lemonade in ours. Uh, guess why we used to put lemonade in ours? I'll tell you. Um, Sometimes God allows us to go through tough times, listen carefully, to reveal what's in our hearts. Because there can be a mismatch between who we think we are and who we really are. We think that we're a strong Christian, our faith is strong, we're doing well spiritually. We think this is good wine, we think we're good wine. But what God sees is the dregs. What God, what God, when God tastes us, He sees vinegar, He tastes vinegar. <laughs> And so he allows us to go through the tough time to get rid of the dregs, to expose the dregs, and to purify our faith. Nothing like a trial to reveal what's really in our hearts. I mean, you know, you might think you're something, and you might think you're at a certain level, and you might think, I'm a strong Christian. You might think that, because it's easy to pray and worship and come to church, go to life group, forgive your enemies when things are going well. Oh, it's really easy to do all of that when things are going well, but it's, there's nothing like a trial to really expose what's going on inside of you, to see what's really there. Because it's the trial that reveals what's really in our hearts. It's the heat that reveals what's in the tea bag. It's the heat that reveals, it's the fire that reveals what's really in a piece of steel. You see, a piece of steel can look amazingly strong. Oh, this is strong. This is powerful. It's when you put the fire, it's when you put the steel in the fire that, 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 that the, 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 the dross or whatever it's called starts to float to the surface. It's the fire that reveals what's really in a piece of Gold. Peter says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though, for now, for, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief of, 
in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, Peter was not speaking theory here. This is Peter writing, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. He's not writing theory here. This wasn't just something you read on Twitter and reposted. Oh, we'll repost this one. Peter experienced this himself. He said, Do you, remember, you know the story of those of you that have been in church for some time? You know the story. Jesus is saying, you know, I'm going to go to the cross and, and, and you guys are going uh, to go, be disbanded. Oh, Peter. Not Peter. Peter says, oh, Jesus, you can trust me. Everybody else is going to go, but you can trust me. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter was suffering from optimistic bias. He thought he was stronger than the average. He thought he was more spiritual than the average. He did not understand the dregs that were inside of him. And suddenly Jesus is sent off to be crucified. And now he doesn't have the presence of Jesus anymore. Now he doesn't have his friends around him anymore. He's on his own and this little girl says, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? Peter says, no, not me. Three times this happens. And then the rooster crows. And, and the interesting part is, for Peter, it gets stronger and stronger as he goes. It's not he just denies Jesus. He, he starts cursing by the third time. Imagine he's cursing by the third time. I bet you Peter didn't know that he, he had the capacity to curse about Jesus. It was just a few minutes earlier where he was saying to Jesus, I'm with you all the way. You can count on me. Luke says the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. This was a defining moment for Peter as he saw what was really inside of him. Peter, Peter, go back to 1 Peter 1. These trials have come so that your faith can be proven genuine, like gold, as, as you refine gold. So your faith is proven genuine through the trial. Isaiah says, see, I've refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. I've refined you. Where, where, where does the refining happen? It happens in the furnace of affliction. It's a sobering thought to be faced with your own sin nature. Lord, help us. Oh, it's easy to criticize others. It's easy to judge. Oh, look at them. Oh, what kind of a Christian are they? <laughs> so good. Hmm? So easy. Easy road. But wait till you go through the trial and then you see stuff coming out of yourself. Oh. And you go, where is this coming from? It's not easy to see what's really inside of yourself, being faced with your own sinfulness, shortcomings, attitudes you didn't know were there. You thought you were strong. And then God started pouring you from one vessel to another. And then you saw the sediment inside of you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be filled with the dregs. I don't want anything to get in the way of me being used by God. I, I, I don't want there to be anything. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, says the psalmist. How does God purify our hearts? There are times where God, there are times where God will allow us to go through tough times. He will pour us from one vessel into another vessel, not to destroy us, 
It's not to kill you. It's not, it's not to destroy your life. And the purpose of the pouring is not to destroy you. The purpose of the pouring is to refine you so that you can be more like Jesus. So that we can be more like Jesus. Second reason why God allows us to go through tough times is to help us grow. Here was Moab about to be invaded by an army and they had no capacity to defend themselves uh, why, why, why were they not able to defend themselves? Again, reading from the message, I love, I'm going to read it again. Moab has taken it easy all their life, lazy as a dog in the sun, never had to work, never, had, never faced any trouble, never had to grow up, never once worked up a sweat. They never experienced any hardship and therefore no capacity to defend themselves. There are two extreme forms of parenting that are destructive for children. One is neglect. And the other is overprotection. Child that has been neglected has no capacity to face hardship, no strength, no ability. They are spent emotionally. A child that's been neglected has, is just spent and has no energy whatsoever to face anything, emotionally or physically. Interestingly, that's true of children that have been overprotected. Because they've never faced any hardship. There's no, no capacity, no strength, no ability. And all it takes is some small little trial, some small little difficulty to tip them over the edge. Pastor Joe, shouldn't we protect our children? We absolutely need to protect our children. That's why, that's why God gives our children. That's the role of a parent. The role of a parent is to protect their children. That's what we're called to do. And, but we need to pray for wisdom here. Listen carefully, church. We need to pray for wisdom here because there are times when we just need to hold back and to allow them to experience some pain. Instead of jumping in and rescuing them, we guide them through the process so that they can experience what it means to overcome challenges. Isn't that what God does with us? It's gone quiet, my goodness. <laughs> You know, once upon a time, if we, uh, if we were told off at school, you know, um, teacher writes a note in the diary or whatever, we, A, we never told our parents, no, number one. Are you kidding we showed them the note? Are you kidding? We know that if we would have told our parents that we got told off in school, we would have got a beating at home as well. So thank God our parents didn't know English. Oh, thank God. You don't know how many things we got saved. You know... Come on, how many people forged their parents' signature? Come on, how many people out there? Come on. Is you, yeah, I never had to do it because I was always good, so that's no problem for me. Some of you, I saw your hands lifted up. There'll be an altar call afterwards for you. But, 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 but we never told our parents. Are you kidding? You tell your parents that you, you got told off at school. Now, <laughs> now you get a note like that. It's not, the par- it's not the child that has fear. It's the teacher that has fear because they can be sure the parents are going to be knocking on their door tomorrow. <laughs> Latest is not just happening in school, Anna was saying, telling me this, it's happening in the workplace as well. Apparently, if our prince or princess is not being treated right at work, mum and dad ring the employer and say, what's going on? Everybody go, ooh. I think we're doing the right thing by doing that. Actually, we're not. It's the easy road. We're denying them the opportunity to grow. My parents never denied me any opportunities to grow, I can assure you. And they just said, no, he's got to grow. <laughs> If you, <laughs> I'm fine. I just got a little twitch, but apart from that, I'm doing fine. Okay, nothing serious. 
if you, if you shelter a tree from the wind, you're not helping the tree. Because the first time it faces the wind, it will fall over. It's the gentle breezes that cause the roots to go deeper. And as, as the winds increase, the roots go deeper. The greater the wind, the deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. Someone said a smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. An easy road never led to a beautiful destination. An easy life never made a man of character. I don't know about you, but I would rather fly in an airplane with a pilot that navigated a few storms. You know what I'm saying? You know? Come on. You know, if, if I'm going to have a pilot flying my, my airplane, I, I want to make sure that they've been through a few storms. Rather than have a pilot that's only flown in a simulator. Take it easy. In, in the simulator, you can have a cup of coffee. Take it easy. I don't want to be flying in that, with that kind of a pilot. Can I hear an amen? I, I want a pilot that's been through a few storms, that's had a few step, setbacks. Uh, not while I'm in the airplane, but they, you know, in other airplanes, they've, they've been through those storms, got through them in the name of Jesus. Why does God allow us to go through tough times? One of the reasons is it's to help us grow. It's to help us grow. One other reason why we go through tough times is to prepare us for our destiny and calling. Here was this army coming to invade Moab and they, they neither had the strength nor the ability nor the capacity to face this impending army. And there are times that God will allow us to face hardship. Again, the purpose of the hardship is not to destroy us. The purpose is to prepare us for our destiny and calling. Great example of this in the life of David. People of Israel are faced with the giant Goliath and they're afraid. And along comes David, this small little boy, and, and he sees the same giant, but he sees them with different eyes. And he says, I can fight this giant. He was ready and willing to face the giant. Question, what gave him the confidence to fight the giant? What, what was it that gave him the confidence to face this incredible giant that everybody else was afraid of. What enabled him to face the giant with such faith? What gave him the confidence was the fact that he had already faced a lion and a bear. He said to Saul, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. David had already killed a lion and a bear, and now, now he was ready to face Goliath. It was as almost as if the lion and the bear were preparing him for his calling and his destiny. It's as if these trials, these difficulties, this pouring from one vessel into another vessel, it's as if it was preparing him for this moment that God had called him to. Listen, we will never be able to face it. Goliath in our life until we face the lion and the bear. Some of you may be in a trial right now and you feel like you're going to die. You're wondering, why am I here? What have I done? Where's God in all of this? Why is God not helping me? Why, why does God not just deliver me from this? In short, the answer is he hasn't abandoned you. He is right there with you. And maybe he's preparing you for your calling and for your destiny. And, and if you would just get a vision of that, if, you, if your perspective of what you're going through, if you would just get a vision of what God might be doing through your life, it can change your whole perspective about what you're going through right now. And here's the deal. You can take the easy road and run, 
You, you could take the easy way out. I mean, we can, but if you do, you will never move into your destiny. Reminds me of the story of David, who David uh, was on the run from Saul, and, and Saul was persecuting him, and there was no reason for it. David was called to be king, and David was loyal to Saul, and, 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 and now he's on the run, living in caves. And one, one particular occasion, uh, David and his men were in, were in the back of the cave and Saul was at the front of the cave and, and, and uh, Saul was asleep and his men were asleep. And, and David's men say to him, hey, this is the time you can take Saul's life. Here's your opportunity. This is, this is the easiest thing you can do right now is kill him and then all your problems are solved. And so David cuts the hem of his garment. He just, just cuts a little piece of, of cloth off, off of his garment. And da David knew that it was wrong. And he says, that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to touch the anointed of the Lord. And he doesn't. And then Saul moves out and, 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 and he goes out and, 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 uh, and he cries out to Saul. And, and Saul says to him, you're... You're more honorable than I am. Now, here was an opportunity for David. He could have easily taken the easy, road, the easy road and lost his destiny and calling. He could have easily taken the shortcut and lost his destiny and calling. But he stayed true to the word of God and became king of Israel in due season, in due time. People of Israel were ready to enter into the promised land. They were three days away. God had spoken a clear word, but, but instead of taking the difficult road, they took the easy road. The giants are too big, we're too small, it's too scary, it's too hard. And because they chose the easy road, it took them another 40 years before they entered in. Some of you are faced with a difficult situation right now and you're tempted to take the easy road. You're tempted to quit. God's word is encouraging us to hang in there. Stick with the process. Because God may be preparing us for divine promotion. Moab took it easy. And they never experienced trouble and they were about to be defeated. Question. Why does God allow us to go through difficult times? Why does God allow us to go through difficult times? Well, the tough times come for a number of reasons. Why, why does God pour us from one vessel into another vessel? Why does God allow us to go through that process? Well, there's a number of reasons. One is to expose what's really inside of us. Man, such a humbling experience. One is to expose what's really inside of us. The dregs that are inside of us. One is to help us grow. One is to prepare us for our calling. There's a whole bunch of other reasons as well. But here's one more thought. Bible speaks about new wine. And new wine in the Bible is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the anointing of God. Um, there's only one way you get new wine out of grapes. Grapes need to be crushed. It's only when grapes are crushed that new wine starts to pour out. It's the same as olive, olives, you know. The only way you get the oil out of the, out, of the, out of the olives is they have to go through a crushing process. How many people like olive oil? A bit of olive oil is good. It's beautiful. No olive oil without the crushing process. Christine Kane talks about the difference between gifting and anointing. Some people are gifted. They look good on the outside. They sound great. They're so sharp, so eloquent. They look amazing. 
But there's no anointing. Never confuse gifting with anointing. They're not the same thing. Gifting with no anointing is just noise. What's the point of having a talented group of musicians on stage and there be no anointing in the service? What, what would be the value of that where they hit every note uh, in, in the right and everything is perfect, which they do anyway, but what would be the purpose of that and no anointing? The Bible says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that changes. It's the anointing that makes the greatest difference in our lives. Pastor Joe, what brings the anointing? Oh, I want the anointing. I want to be anointed. Pastor Joe, how do I get the anointing? Well, there's only one way. And that's through crushing. It's the crushing that releases the new wine, the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. There are no shortcuts. I pray that we would beware of the easy road. I pray that we would understand the purpose of the challenge and, and the pouring. I pray that we would understand it. I, I, I pray that we would understand that. And in so doing, be everything that God has called us to be. Allow the anointing to just pour through us. Allow, allow the anointing to just flow through us. Allowing that new wine to just come through us and touch lives and See lives change. You know, when, when, when you haven't been through that process, then if God begins to use us, it goes straight to our head and we become proud. We think it's our ability. We think it's our gifting. And it actually has the capacity to destroy us. So God allows us to go through a crushing experience. It's through that crushing experience that we get closer to God and know who God is. And then, and then God says, now we're ready. Now I can trust you with the anointing my power with my presence. Pastor Joe, how do, how, do we, how do we get through the trial? How do, how do we get through that tough time? What do we need to do to get through that tough time? Quickly, three things. Number one, remember the trial will never last forever. And the first Peter, this is Peter. This is Peter speaking again. We just talked about him. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. I love this. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. You don't feel very strong. You don't feel very firm and steadfast at the moment. But he himself shall restore you. Secondly, turn to God. The purpose of the trial is always to bring you closer to God, always. I, I, I heard about Him and now I've seen Him. That's always the purpose of the trial. It's to bring you into the presence of God. It's never to draw you away from God. The temptation is always, oh, where is your God? The enemy says, oh, look at what's happening to you. What's the point of serving God? Turn your back and God and die. That's the temptation. Greatest thing that you can do is go into the presence of God and wrestle with God wrestle with him say God why is this happening to me right now what are you doing in this right now Lord God in that process and as you wait on God you get closer to God the concept of waiting on God is about a rope with three strands and it's as if we we are we are we are get closer and closer to God we are entwined with God through that process and thirdly look to Jesus and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And let us run with endurance, says one translation, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Can you imagine if Jesus had taken the easy road? 
Oh, he could have easily taken the, imagine Jesus, take it easy. Jesus could have called a legion of angels to come right there. But he didn't choose that path. He chose the difficult path. He chose the, the path that was going to require a lot of work and hardship and sweat. He, he chose that path because there was a day where he saw you and me in Life Christian Center in March, worshiping and glorifying Jesus Christ. He had a picture of this. What's going to help us to endure is to get a picture of what God wants to do in and through our lives. Above all else, let's look to Jesus. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Maybe, maybe there's someone here, you're going through a tough time and, and you're not even sure if God exists. In fact, the tough time is making you question God even more. Well, if there is no God, then what we go through is just a random act. It's just an injustice. It's just chance. Uh, if there is no purpose, then what is this? It's nothing. Some people have good luck. Some people have bad luck. Well, if that's your perspective of life, that's fine, but that's not life. Pastor Joe, do you understand why all, all negative things happen and, and things are bad? I don't, I don't know everything because I'm not God. He's God. And you know, uh, when my, you've heard me say a thousand times, when, you know, when kids are small, they get angry with their parents, they scream and holler, you can't tell me what to do. No, you know. <laughs> Got a bit of a flat head back here. I don't know if you know. It, it, wasn't, it was round when I was born, but then it's... <laughs> Sometimes we're like that with God. Why? What? I, I don't understand everything. I don't. Some stuff doesn't make any sense to my mind. But I'm not God. He's God. And as I read the scriptures and as I look at my life, he's always been faithful. He's always been good. He's always been loving. I don't understand this, but I, but I know that he's a good God and he's a loving God. And so I choose to put my trust in him. Abraham believed God, even if he didn't understand him. He chose to believe in God. I want to encourage you, put your faith in God. This doesn't mean we just, we just uh, you know, we just follow God blindly. We don't follow God blindly. The, 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 the resurrection communion reminds us. And we serve a God who died and three days later rose again. That's not just, that's not hearsay, that's fact. That's actually fact. And because of that, we choose to serve a living God who has proven himself faithful again and again. I tell you, I've been in that pouring process many, many times. And I've screamed and hollered many, many times. And then after a few years, very quietly, I say, thank you, Lord. It was good that you afflicted me. Because now I understand you in a greater and a deeper way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds because these trials produce something in you. They produce something which is powerful, which is powerful. Beware of the easy road. Morning, we're going to take communion this morning as we prepare our hearts. I'm going to ask the brethren to come forward.